Jacob had already been transported by ambulance from the lake to the hospital, and my husband, George, was already at the hospital as well. So um, on the drive to the hospital, they told me that uh, one of the other boys in the school had drowned um, and that he was dead, and they told me that Jacob was in the hospital, and they did not know um, his condition. So my immediate reaction to that was to pray. Hey everyone, it's Mary Demuth with The Restory Show, and I'm so excited to have my friend Jeannie Damoff on the show with me. Welcome, Jeannie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Now, Jeannie and I go way back, and I found out earlier from 2003, we met at a writer's conference, I believe, and so we've been friends for a long time, and I know she has a really impactful story. I know that every time I hear the story or read about it or think about it, it changes me. So, Jeannie, what story would you like to share with the Restory Show listeners today? Um, well, thanks. So, yes, the story I wanted to share actually does go back. It began um, 21 years ago when our son Jacob, our oldest child, was 15 years old, and it was an end-of-school outing at the lake. Um, Jacob was in a near-fatal drowning accident, um, and I won't go into all the details of how that unfolded, but um, once he was found and pulled up off the bottom of the lake um, and uh, efforts were made to revive him, um, he was in a coma, and um, we started a journey in our family that, of course, turned our world upside down. Um, we we're not expecting this. It was not something we would have ever anticipated, um, just especially as believers who'd, you know, prayed for our children our whole lives and, and trusted God that he had plans for them, that he had created them um, for his purposes and his glory. And so, you know, it took us a while, a pretty long journey to begin to see how what was happening with Jacob um, could be God's plan and um, God's purpose. Um, so yeah, Jacob was in a coma for two months, a deep coma, and then slowly emerged out of that over the course of a year. And um, we were just in a season during that whole time of, of trying to square what was happening with Jacob with what we believed to be true about God. And um, it's one of the things that happened early on um, when we were still, I guess, really in shock and just sort of in that phase of an everyday praying that we would wake up and realize that this was just a nightmare, that um, we could somehow rewind and go back to our life before this had happened. Um, but even during that time, I felt like the Lord just spoke to me and said that he was doing something beautiful. And he wanted me to see it. And um, just with every fiber of my being, I longed for that to be true. And so even though I was um, you know, battling grief and self-pity and confusion and anger and all the things that go with um, something like this, I determined that I was going to keep my eyes open and look for what God was doing. Um, I can say with gratitude that I don't feel like my faith was ever threatened. Um, I believe that, um, you know, I always, I always knew that God was still God and I still believed that he was a loving God. Um, I just 
knew that I was going to have to figure out how our new normal fit into that um, and that it was really crucial for our faith to be able to um, find God in the middle of what we were going through. Um, so, yeah, it was a long journey. And um, the kind of the image that the Lord gave me early on was the idea of ripples, how um, something happens in our lives. And um, it may be something that, you know, we never would have wanted. And um, but this event sets ripples in motion. And we have a choice at that point to just focus on the event itself, the loss or the grief or um, the trauma or whatever it might be. Um, or we can watch the ripples and see what God is doing. And um, so that is what I purposed to do. I did not always do that perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I would describe myself as being pretty bratty Um quite often during that time, just, I just didn't want to be there. It wasn't, um, wasn't the life I wanted for my son and it wasn't the life I wanted for myself. Um, but I also wanted to, I still wanted to be able to live, um, a joyful life and I didn't want to be bitter. And I knew the only way, um, I could avoid being bitter was to find God in the middle of our journey. Um, So that's what we determined we were going to do. So when you first heard that there was an accident, where were you and what were you thinking? So I was, it was actually, um, as like I said, it was an end of school outing. And I was actually with my daughter um, at her classes end of school outing. Uh, I was teaching at the school that my children attended So, um, this was back in 1996, so there were no cell phones, um, no way for anybody to contact me till I got back to the school with my daughter's class. And, um, when I got back, another teacher and her husband were waiting there to take me to the hospital. Jacob had already been transported by ambulance from the lake to the hospital. And my husband, George was already at the hospital as well. So, um, on the drive, to the hospital, they told me that um, uh, one of the other boys in this school had drowned um, and that he was dead. And they told me that Jacob was in the hospital and they did not know um, his condition. So my immediate reaction to that was to pray. Um, I just started praying out loud. I didn't know what to pray. I um, prayed in circles, mm-hmm. just came, you know, just kept coming back around to um, crying out to God for mercy, for help, um, that he would be with Jacob, that he would be with us. And um, yeah, so that was my immediate reaction to it, um, was just to cry out to God Now, this journey has not just been your journey, but also your whole family's journey. And so you saw everybody together at the hospital. I'm sure that was the first moment of it all. But take us a little bit farther along um, after Jacob came out of his coma and you began to see the reality of what was going on. How, How did his drowning and basically coming back to life 
How did it affect your family dynamic and your kids, your other kids? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of my biggest concerns was um, for my other two children, they were 13 and 11 at the time. So just entering into adolescence, which in my opinion is probably the hardest season of life. Um, just so many things going on, changes in your body and questions about who you are and how do I fit into the world. And, um, so here we were now in this crisis with our son at first fighting for his life and then not knowing, you know, how far he would come in his recovery, what was still there. We were told early on by doctors that he would either die or be vegetative. We were not given much hope for his recovery. So that was taking just a whole lot of my energy and my husband's energy and our time and um, pretty much everything. And so, you know, I was really concerned for them. And we made every effort to be available to them. But I really knew, you know, I'm going to need to trust God with them. This is not just, like you said, this was not just Jacob's story. And it was not just my story. This was our family story. And it was the story of his friends. It was the story of a lot of people who were touched by it. And just to be able to trust God to pray. I can't say I did that without fear or without worry, um, but all I really did was um, cast my children on him, try as much as I could to be available to them and help them process what they were going through. Um, my daughter in particular, she really struggled with guilt, and it's kind of a, an interesting um I guess interesting is the right word, but <laughs> she she was very right after it happened, she kind of went inside of herself. She was very withdrawn and quiet. And it, her personality was reserved anyway, but I could tell she was carrying something. And it was probably a couple months in that she finally opened up to me and told me that she felt like it was her fault. And mm -hmm. I asked her, you know, immediately thought that this is not something she can carry and it's not true. So, um, you know, I just prayed for wisdom and I asked her why she thought that. And she told me that, um, so the, the day of the class parties, um, her class went to play miniature golf and, um, the, the party Jacob went to was of course at the lake. It was a canoeing party, but he was not in that class. He was actually, um, invited to that class party. His class was not having one. And the boys in Grace's class had also invited him to their party, and her teacher had asked her um, if that was okay with her because Jacob was he was kind of a a presence. <laughs> he was um, the boys in her class idolized him. He was two years older than they were, and he was um, a skateboarder and played the guitar, and so they just thought he was really cool. And I think the teacher understood, you know, if if Jacob comes it will change the dynamic. And so she asked Grace, um, and Grace's response was, let's just let it be our class this time. Hmm. And wow. she said that just perfectly innocent. There was no malice in that. There was no, you know, hoping something terrible was going to happen to Jacob, but that's what she said. So in her mind, she's thinking, well, if I hadn't said that, then he maybe would have come on our, to our party instead. And hmm. this wouldn't have happened. And so, you know, she said that and I, so I said, I said, Grace, um, first of all, God could have stopped this in thousands of ways. 
Mm-hmm. Jacob could have gotten sick and not been able to go. Some One of the chaperones or one of the other children could have seen what happened and um, alerted, you know, called for help. Um, it was really bizarre that nobody saw what happened. I mean, it was mm-hmm. almost like, how could this happen and not be seen? Because there were so many people around. So, um, you know, I just kind of laid out these various scenarios of how God could have prevented it and basically said, you know, God does not give you that kind of power in someone else's story. Mm-hmm. He, he was there. He's sovereign. He's God. He could have stopped it and he didn't. And when I was saying that to her, I um, was saying it to myself as well, mm-hmm. because I was really struggling with forgiving um, the other child, the one who actually drowned because it later came out that he couldn't swim. And what had happened was the, it was a canoe trip, not a swimming trip. The, they'd stopped for lunch and all the kids were waiting on this boat ramp. And um, there was a drop off at the end of the boat ramp. And apparently this other boy who was also waiting um, must have stepped off of that, that drop off and panicked and um, t- took Jacob down with him mm. because, Jacob was a very strong swimmer and he had even had Red Cross life savings. So he knew you don't, you know, people said, Oh, he probably tried to help him. But I think it was just one of those panic situations because again, with so many people around, you know, somebody would have known what was going on. But anyway, so I was struggling with forgiving him because I felt like, you know, as much as I hated it in my mind, he had, he had done this, you know, he had stolen, my son's, um, health and potential. Um, and it's not true, but it's the thing I was struggling with. And I had prayed about it a lot. I was asking God to help me because I didn't want that. Um, but you know, saying that to my daughter was kind of a turning point for me. It didn't just instantly, uh, rid me of that struggle, but it was the starting point. Um, when I was able to you know, realize, yeah, I can't blame either. Just like she can't blame herself. Um, again, it goes back to God has to still be God and this in this scenario. You know, I can't separate this out. I can't say he's good and loving and sovereign and almighty when things go the way I think they should. Mm-hmm. He has to be all of those things when things go the way I don't think they should. Um So, so yeah, so back to your question about my kids. Um, One of the things I saw God do within like the first few years was just, they were watching God work and really the Lord brought hundreds of people, really thousands, if you count the people who were praying into this journey with us and, um, he was touching their lives as he brought them into the journey. Um, it, it was a marvel to me. Jacob, um, you know, when he was in a coma, he couldn't talk. He couldn't voluntarily move his limbs. Um, he was very, very limited. And yet the people who would come to uh, minister to him, and we, we invited our whole community, you know, said it's not good for him to be alone. It's good for him to have stimulation. So, you know, come and read to him or sing to him or uh you can just talk or you can massage his feet or his hands or, you know, whatever you're comfortable doing. 
And so many people took us up on that. And as they would come in and spend time with Jacob, the Lord was ministering to them. He Mm. was just lying. Jacob was just lying there. He wasn't doing anything. But God was moving in the lives of these people. And um, I saw this with my children as well. I saw how they were were watching God work and they were really becoming um, eternally minded. You know, a lot of their friends, I mean, high school is, you know, the season when if you don't have a date to the prom, your life is not worth living. <laughs> um, you know, the kinds of things that that seem all important um, in that season of life, they it wasn't like they became cynical or they um, didn't care, but they just had a much bigger picture of really what is important in life and um, they kind of avoided a lot of the drama and I would use the word pettiness um, that goes along with just the high school scene, um, yet without becoming hardened or missing out on the fun and enjoyment of it. So that was a mercy. And then, of course, I've got, you know, 21 years of perspective on this, but I look at who they became, who they were in college, who they you know, the people they married, um, what they're doing with their lives now. And I just see so much fruit from having walked through that season with their brother, um, the way that has produced compassion in them toward people who suffer. And, um, yeah, so I would say, uh, you know, I've seen God transform it into a gift to them. I've seen God transform it into a gift to all of us. And most importantly, I've seen him transform it into a gift to Jacob, which was the hardest one for me. Um, I started, you know, as I saw God working and kept my eyes open to look for the beauty that he said he was creating, I was seeing it everywhere, but I still struggled with, you know, how is this good for Jacob? I see you doing, I see you doing so many good things in so many lives and in my own, even and in my other children. But, but what about Jacob? You know, is it like Jacob is expendable for the sake of all this good? Um, or no, does he matter too? And, um, so I, one, it was a couple years into our journey that, you know, with the grief and the sadness would come in waves. Sometimes I'd be just fine. And then I'd just have a real hard day when I'd be, thinking about what Jacob had lost, thinking about, you know, what he would probably never experience um, as an adult living with brain injury, um, which is, is his condition now. He, he recovered miraculously. He's, um, his, his functionality is way beyond any expectations that the medical community was able to give us. And he is, um, you know, engaged with, relationships and in church and he's happy. Um, but he's limited and he's dependent. He lives with us. Um, so yeah, so going back to that day I was having sad, um, I was praying and just asked the Lord, you know, I said, I just want to know that this really is the story you wrote for Jacob. Like Mm -hmm. this is good. This is your plan for him. And I felt like the Lord asked me a, a question, and it was, um, what is your prayer for your children? 
And I said, my prayer for my children is that when they stand in your presence, you will say, well done. And I just felt like the Lord um, just said, look at him. Look at him. He's Everyone who sees him is drawn to me. He's my faithful servant. And that was a, a major turning point for me. It didn't mean that I didn't still get hit with grief and Oh, grieve that Jacob would probably never get married, that Jacob would never have a family of his own, that, you know, a lot of these kinds of things. But I did realize that that a lot of um, what I struggled with was not who Jacob actually is, but it was more my pride. It was what I wanted him to accomplish. I wanted him to be someone great in the eyes of the world. Um, I wanted him to you know, do something that would be remembered. Um, and I think it's, that's normal. You know, I think as parents, we want our children to thrive. We want them to reach their potentials. And, um, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, just accomplish, you know, whatever they're created to do. But, you know, to come to terms with that, maybe Jacob was created to be a simple brain injured man who loves Jesus. Um, that wasn't what, as a mom, what I would have chosen. But as I look at him and just see who he is and how he loves and worships the Lord and how his life affects other people, uh, I realize his place in the world matters. It matters to God. His place in the kingdom of God matters. Um, I've had a huge, huge shift in not just in my views of Jacob and um, who he is, but just people with special needs in general. And, you know, before Jacob had this brain injury, I really didn't have any involvement in that world at all. In fact, I was kind of, um, kind of kept it at arm's length. I think I was uncomfortable with the idea of disability, um, afraid of it maybe. And so I get it when I meet other people who are like that. Um, but you know, since then I've, I've gotten involved just in a personal way with other families that are dealing with special needs and also just, um, involved in organizations that, um, minister to people with special needs and, the more I've gotten to know this community of people, just their their joy, their gratitude for the simplest things, their patience and their suffering, um, it's really changed my perspective. It's kind of like the Beatitudes. It's like, you know, when Jesus says, list the different ones who are blessed, and he says, you know, blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. I mean, these are, this is what I feel when I see these people. I'm like pure in heart <laughs> and they see God. And I just, I, it just make, it's turned everything upside down for me. Really. Sometimes I've shared with people that when we get to heaven, you know, all the, all of the Christian uh, superstars that we admire the people. And I mean, they've seriously done great things you know, they've done great things in the kingdom of God and they're known for it. Um, but I'm not so sure they're, they will be the ones seated in those places of honor. Um, you know, sometimes I think it will be the ones that, that have nothing but Jesus. 
you know, the bad, he truly is their all. Um, so, yeah. Well, I think about um, Mary sitting at Jesus's feet and she had the perfect, you know, position to be in. She had him all to herself and uh, we're so busy <laughs> trying to make everything happen, I think. Um, so it's a really good word. Uh, one, one of the things I've had the pleasure of, of meeting Jacob several times and interacting with him, and uh, one of the things that people say when they walk away from meeting or encountering Jacob is his, his heart for worship. Can you talk a little bit about what that's like, especially in church on Sunday or any other time? Yeah, so... Yeah. I'll kind of back up a little bit because I think it's it's significant that um, when he was actually in a coma and he was his body was just suffering severe trauma with he had seizures and just all of the terrible things that happens to a body when the brain is um, going through that kind of trauma. Um, one of the ways I comforted myself was to pray for him that the Lord would just minister to him face to face, you know. Pray and say, Lord, he can't tell anybody about it. He can't brag about it. You know, would you just be right there with him? Would you let him see you? Would you let him behold your glory? And it comforted me to pray that. And there were times when I was praying that, that I would, it almost seemed like a peace would come over him. And that just encouraged me so much. Well, he, Jacob was a believer before his accident and he had really started to own his own faith. But when he came out of his coma, and one of the first things he did before he could even speak, but after he got control of his arms, when anybody would talk about the Lord, he would just get this blazing fire in his eyes and he would point to his heart and then he would point up. Mm. And it was like his way of saying, yes, I know him. Mm. <laughs> I know who he is. I know who he is. Um, then as you know, time progressed and he his recovery progressed, um, and he could walk again and had um, got his voice back. Um, he loves to sing. He can't really sing. He's just <laughs> too loud. <laughs> um, but he loves to, and he knows, he remembers the song, the words to all of the songs. Um, and he just, when he worships in church and closes his eyes you look at him and you feel like he's in that, that space. He's in that space he was in when the Lord was face to face with him. Um, and I know for myself, there've been times I've just thought, I wish I could go there. Like I wish I could go where he is. He has no self-consciousness at all. You know, for me, I love to sing worship songs to, and, you know, to really enter into that. But, as soon as I like find myself really entering in and I want to raise my hands or whatever, and then I'm like, Oh wait, is that going to bother somebody? Am I going to, you know, I'm yeah. self-conscious that Jacob does not have that issue. At all. <laughs> I know so, that I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. Um, which can at times be, you know, interesting, but, um, <laughs> but I just love that about him because he's so present in that moment. Um, and I really believe he is encountering the Lord in that moment in a way that all of my distraction and um, I don't know, you know, what you would call it, but uh, it's a hindrance to me. You know, it keeps me 
from having the freedom that he has, um, which I'm grateful that he has that. I'm very grateful that he has that. Um, and you know, as far as being present in the moment, that's true of Jacob all the time. That's another thing I've really learned from him. He doesn't, um, he doesn't forget, he doesn't regret what's happened in the past and he doesn't worry about the future because his, the way his brain injury is, he really can't, he's just present. So like, if you ask him what he did three hours ago, he can't tell you, he doesn't remember, but you can help him remember. It's not that it's not there. So if he, you know, if you took him to a movie and then later you say, Hey Jacob, what did you do today? He won't remember that. But then if you say, well, Hey, we went to the movie and you start talking about that movie, he will remember it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, it's, it's there. It's just, he can't just call it up. He can't call up memory without help. And he, he does not project into the future. He does not worry. He does not anticipate things. Um, he just is where he is. And that's been a huge lesson to me. Um, yeah, I mean, there are things we have to do, you know, if I don't, uh, plan for the future somewhat, then, you know, I'm going to be in trouble when the bills come in or mm-hmm. whatever. So, you know, there, there are things that we do need to anticipate for the future, but, um, I just think we don't need to worry. You know, it's not, it's not going to change anything when we do. Um, so to learn how to trust like he does, he abides in a place of peace, peace and trust. Living with that is just a, like a daily reminder, a daily lesson. So uh, a lot of times when people go through something like this, it really affects their marriage and um, can cause a married couple to really go through it and sometimes even end their marriage. So what kinds of things did you both have to kind of learn and get through when you face this together? Yeah, that's another great question. And it's really true. In fact, when we were in the very early stages of this with Jacob, the um, social workers or chaplains, the various you know facilities where he was being treated uh, would often, you know, talk about that. And they tell us what you just said, that often um, families fall apart with, with kind of trauma and just the, 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 the way that it's a, it's a long, long journey. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not something that that's over really ever, but you know, the initial part of it even is a long journey. It's not something that, you know, you get through and you move on beyond. So, um, it is stressful and it can be destructive, but for us, we were very intentional about that. And my husband and I process, process things very differently, but we both, um, were determined that we were going to fight for our marriage. Um, you know, kind of an interesting aspect of it is when your child is physically devastated and, you know, clinging to life um, in an extreme situation like this, sort of a weird thing that happens is you, is this sense of, well, you know, who are we to enjoy anything about life while he's suffering like Mm -hmm. this? Um, But something we realized was no, for his sake, 
we need to take care of ourselves and we need to take care of our marriage. We need to, you know, be intimate with one another. We need to, um, take care of our, we need to eat right. We need to, to get exercise. Um, so we were, we did that as a discipline when it wasn't a desire. Um, and it was good. It was important. Um, and I would say that's true of, you know, our relationship, my husband's and my relationship that, um, we, we clung to it. We fought for it. Um, we also both, I know for me, I need, I need to process out loud. He processes internally. So I needed to find people I could talk to because, Though we talked to each other about a lot of things, I couldn't just vent on him. I couldn't dump my anger and self-pity and um, the questions I was you know, trying to struggle through because he was carrying his own. And I would look at him and just see the pain in his eyes. And I thought, I can't add to this. Like I can't ask him to carry mine as well. So that was where I really needed to have friends. I needed to have people I trusted who I could tell them exactly how I felt um, and that they wouldn't, um, you know, they wouldn't be scandalized <laughs> by my, my anger, my angst. Um, but, you know, would just walk with me in that, sometimes just listening, other times, you know, I, and I think we're, we're not all exactly the same in this. I mean, early on, definitely in a, something like this, you just need people to be present. You need to know that they're there. But for me, I needed people to point me to truth. I, I wanted that. I wanted people to not preach at me, but to point me to the truth about God, his character, who he is, what he has said in his word, and that it is true. And, you know, I've heard other people say before they didn't really want to hear it. You know, they weren't ready for a while. Um and maybe that's something that, you know, as a friend, if we're trying to be a friend to someone, you know, the most important thing is to be there for them and then just to see where they are, really ask them where they are. But uh, for me, I, I needed friends who were going to point, keep pointing me back to who God is and, and um, but listening, you know, listening um, and letting me be real, letting me tell them, you know, that I hated it that I didn't want it, that it wasn't, um, and even, you know, and the, the why questions, which you're not going to get answers to all of those, but you, but you need to be able to ask them, you know, it's, it, you need to, to just be able to, uh, get it out. So, so yeah, I was really grateful that I had friends who I could do that with, who were there for me and, and uh, faithful to pray for me um, and listen when I needed it. But yeah, back to your question. Um, we, we just were very, we were intentionally aware that this was going to be um, a battle to keep our family strong and together. And, um, and it's a huge part of where the body of Christ has come in because we need others. So, so true. And as we, wrap this up, um, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's going through a similar situation? How can either, how can we be the body of Christ to someone that's going through that? Or 
uh, how can they gain some wisdom? And again, if they're in the middle of it, they might just be going through shock, but <laughs> what kind of advice would be helpful to them? Um, yeah. So a couple of things. Um, one is don't try to project into the future, especially if you're looking at a long journey. You know, if you're in a situation that's not going to be over tomorrow or next week, um, don't just try as hard as you can not to project. And, and for me, I have a very visual imagination and, you know, I could like say, well, what about, what about a, a year from now? Or what about five years from now? Or what about 10 years from now? And then I can imagine it, how I was thinking that it might be. And of course it was terrible. And, um, the thing that the Lord really started to teach me was that his grace is available to us right now. He is Emmanuel. He is with us. And that his grace was sufficient for me for the day. Mm-hmm. But, but that there is not, there is no such thing as hypothetical grace. If I, <laughs> I dream up a scenario that isn't even real, it's something I'm imagining that I'm thinking may happen in the future. And this could be about anything. Um, he's not there. He's not in that scenario. Um, he's absent from it. And if I'm ever in either that scenario or any other one that's difficult, he will be there. He will be there with me and his grace will be sufficient for me. So one of the biggest things, advice I would give is um, try to be present in the moment that you're in. And even if you can't stand that moment, if it's a miserable moment for you to turn to the Lord and remember he is with you in that moment, that he is, his character has not changed. Um, and he's purposeful in it. And even if you can't see the purpose or, you know, if you're just wishing, I mean, I know one of the things that's so common with this is to say, okay, God, yeah, I see that you're working in amazing ways. Couldn't you have done this some other way? Did it have to be like this? Um, just coming back to that place of where you can even say, I don't like it, but I trust you. Um, so the advice is just try to be present and receive the grace that he has for you in that day. Um, Cause it's there. Sometimes it's every breath, every single breath you need new grace. Um, one of the best things I could say for how to come alongside people is don't make it about you. Yeah. <laughs> and by that, I mean, you know, it's super like if, if, when anything happens to a, a child, you know, any of us who are parents just immediately can imagine, we put ourselves in that scenario. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't know what I would do if this happened to my child. Um, you know, and you don't know what you do because again, there's no hypothetical grace, but this is not about you. If you're coming alongside someone, even if you have tremendous fears or, you know, that of this very thing, like my, my, my worst fear is that something could happen to my child. And now you're trying to walk with a friend and something has Mm -hmm. happened to their Mm -hmm. child. Not make it about your fear. That's not what it's about. Um, be there present for them. Um, one of the things that, you know, there were people said, people do say dumb things when yes. they're going through something hard. And, but for me, some of the worst were when they made it about 
like they were projecting themselves into it and right. making it about themselves. And I just thought that's just not helpful. You know, <laughs> I, I hope this never happens to you, but you know, that's not helpful. So, um, yeah, that would be one thing. But the biggest thing is, um, pray and, and make yourself available and, um, don't, you know, you don't have to have all the answers and then do what you do, what you can do. This was something that was amazing was, um, people did what they could do. Like if, if there were women in our church who, you know, they felt like I don't have any advice. I don't feel like I have any wisdom for them, but I can vacuum their house. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do their laundry. Um, I can cook a meal. Uh, so, you know, when, when people come together and do what they can, um, it makes a huge difference. And you didn't ask for this much advice, but one more piece of advice <laughs> for is make your needs known. This is for the person going through it. Um, yeah. Make your needs known because people cannot read your mind. And, you know, you may think they don't care, but they do care. And and when people say, you know, if there's anything I can do, let me know. They mean it. So let them know. Mm-hmm. Say, uh-huh. Send an email and say, hey, you know, I haven't had a chance to clean my house. Could you do that for me? And some people will just be thrilled to do that or even to gather an army to do that for you. You know, they just don't know what to do. So let them know. Um, and that serves them because it invites them into your story. And it serves you because it gets your things done that need to be done. Um, and it lets the body function as the body. I love that. And I, I'm so appreciative of your concentration on the body of Christ meeting people's needs because it's just how it's supposed to be. And it demonstrates the love of Christ in such tangible, beautiful ways. So as you look back over the past year... How has God given you a new story or how has he restoried you? Yeah. So, you know, even though like, say this happened 21 years ago and, you know, I would still say to this day, I mean, if it had been up to me to write this story, I would not have written that chapter into it. But I can, I can say that even now I see the fruit from that and the ways that God is bringing redemption into my life in 2018, it's all connected, um, that the things he's doing today are, um, he would not be doing today if that was not part of the story back then. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, something brand new for me is I actually have a job. (laughs) Wasn't something I even was looking for, but my church invited me to apply for a job as a minister to minister to women in our congregation, particularly women in leadership. And I've been doing that for the past couple months and love it. Um, and that has just you know, opened doors to get to know some amazing women who are leading um, other women. And um, so that's awesome. And I love it. Um, and then, yeah, just in the whole, in the, the theme of comforting others with the comfort we receive. Um, we actually have a family in our church who are just a couple months into the same journey. Their little girl fell in a swimming pool and, um, nearly drowned. And so it's been interesting to walk with them and just to see, uh, God 
moving in their story as well, and but realizing um, that the gifts he has given us in our journey are gifts now we can give them. Um, you know, there's no substitute in my mind for someone who's walked a path ahead of you, being able to walk with you. So I would say that's even part of the way that God is um, restoring me is just showing me how my story, um, the story he's written in my life is not just for me. Um, it's for others and just the joy that that gives me. I love that. And that's a really beautiful way to end this episode. Thank you so much for elevating God and for um, emphasizing his sovereignty and for continuing to walk on that path that he has for you. I really appreciate it, Jeannie. Oh, well, thanks, Mary. And thank you for doing all that you do and for doing this podcast, which reaches people and encourages them in their own stories. Thank you so much for listening to the Restory Show today. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord, I lift up those parents of kids who've gone through traumatic circumstances. Pray you would just be near, be with them. Extend your grace. Extend your your help. I pray for those who have lost people in drowning accidents and the grief that that must be, Lord. I pray that you would just show them your tender heart and that you grieve alongside. I pray for those who love those who are differently abled. And I I pray for um, just, I, I pray you continue to give them the joy that comes from interacting with folks that are just different than we are. I pray that we would, as a people of you, be willing to walk in the shoes of those who are different and that we would learn from them things about you that maybe we wouldn't learn from other folks. So thank you for Jeannie's story today. Thank you that you um, that you just cradled her and her husband and their family as they walked through. And I do thank you for Jacob's life. It's a beautiful life, and I am uh, one of the privileged ones to have been able to meet him and and hear from him. So thank you for that. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you so much for listening today. Uh, If you would like to leave a review on iTunes, that would make me super happy. And if you just want to rate it, you can do that. You can just click the stars. That will help the Restory Show very much. And also another way you can help is you can hear stories like Jeannie Damos and continue to keep that on the air by becoming a patreon sponsor you can watch for new exclusive benefits for patrons including a secret podcast just for you every month and you'll find a patreon button in the show notes also if you'd like to record your own story on marriedmuth.com you can go there and on the right hand side you'll see a little microphone and you can record up to four minutes of a story and we will add that to the restory episode so i would love to have you participate that way if you'd like to know more about today's show go to the restoration show.com or just restoryshow.com for the latest episode and may you live a brand new story 